John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end. And the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? He replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Well, then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said that not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The word of the Lord. As I was thinking about John chapter 13, it made me think of a story. This person I will about to describe to you, you're going to know him. But in order to know his story, you need to know where it started. As a young boy, he really did not like any sorts of touches. In fact, every time a man would touch his shoulder, it would give him a cringe all the way down his spine. And with good reason. Most of his young life, every time he felt that touch, it meant more work and more bruises and more trauma. He despised that touch. He rebelled against it. He ran away from it. And because of that, it caused him to run away from everybody who wanted to love him. That all changed one day as he stood in front of a pentagon on the ground holding a piece of wood in his hands. All of a sudden, baseball became that open door that he never thought he'd find. See, this boy, he badmouthed his teachers. His parents were a part of his life. He ran away from everybody who tried to give him a touch of humility, a taste of love. Until that day where a man named Brother Matthias showed him how to properly hold a baseball bat. See, for George Herman, Babe Ruth, up until this point, he had never known what love really was. Because of this one simple day on a summer afternoon, he got that touch of humility and love that he never thought would be his. In fact, he called Brother Matthias the greatest man he ever met and ever knew in his life. Now, for you and me, we don't have Brother Matthias in our lives, but we have somebody who has touched us in a far more powerful way, in a far more deeper way. We have someone who washed us clean by going to the cross, by shedding his own blood. We have someone who wants to give you a touch of humility tonight and always to know that no matter what you face in life, it is touched by him and his cross. For the disciples tonight, that touch was not at all something that was comforting. Here they are in the upper room. 
They're celebrating the Passover, things are going well, and all of a sudden, kind of like in a movie, when it goes into slow motion, you can just kind of picture this happening. John records this so vividly. You see Jesus stand up, and he removes his coat, and all of a sudden, the unthinkable happens. He takes a towel, wraps it around himself, and he grabs that bucket of water that nobody wanted to touch, and he starts washing their feet. Now, feet are nasty a lot of the time, but that's, that's part of this. The bigger part of this is, for Jesus to do that, that was about the lowest of the low thing to do. In fact, for a Jewish slave, they would look to a Gentile slave, someone beneath them, to do that work because that was the dirty stuff. That was something that if you had to do it, you had to do it, but if you could avoid it, avoid it at all costs. And here Jesus says, doing the unthinkable. And his disciples understandably, respond in shock. I mean, you hear Peter's words, and he's totally spot on. No, no, Lord, you shall never wash my feet. I mean, here Jesus is scrubbing even Judas's feet, which to me is just, it shows the servant heart of our God. But Peter looks at this and he says, Lord, what are you doing? You're our teacher. You're our master. This is not work for you. Lord, this is far beneath you. I mean, you're supposed to be this king. You're supposed to bring this glory to us and to Israel. Why are you washing the dirt off of our toes? Lord, this, stop embarrassing yourself. This isn't, this isn't good. This isn't who you are. They pushed him away. That touch of humility to them was repulsive. I don't know about you. I know that none of us have literally kicked our feet away from Jesus, but all of us at one point or another in our hearts have subtly yet decisively Pushed him away. This happens in a whole lot of ways. Maybe for you, it's that sin that you committed years ago that still haunts you to this very day. And you never say it out loud, but there's a party that feels like, you know, I know Jesus died on the cross, but did he really die for that sin? Did it really cover me? And, and what are we doing there? We're pushing Jesus away, saying that God's son, his sacrifice wasn't enough, even though it definitely was. And still is. You know, it can happen too when you do get affected by things that happened in your past. And so it leads you to do different coping mechanisms to try to get through life. And you blame others, you blame what happened instead of listening to Jesus say, I know this is hard, but you're not in this alone. In fact, I came to take away that suffering. I came to bear that cross with you. Maybe it's happening to you right now with just Everything with Ukraine, with $5 gas prices, and with everything else happening, even in our church. It's like, what, Lord, there's so many things right now. Can't you just come through? Can you just line this up just like I want it to be done, that all this can be taken care of? My family stuff can go away. My disease I'm struggling with can be disappear. All these different things attacking us at once. And when Jesus doesn't touch our lives in the way that we wish he would, we wonder if he really knows what he's doing. We wonder if he really is the Savior, the Messiah. We need him to be. And when we get into that framework, we understand where the disciples are at. Because Jesus, he wasn't being the Savior they wanted him to be. He wasn't being the King that they hoped he would be. And that's when Jesus, in his love, he calls him on it. He says to Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. I mean, even up to this incredible moment, right before he goes to the cross, the disciples still didn't get it. They still want him to bring all this earthly glory and security and comfort, but he had something far better. 
And it hits Peter pretty hard, right? When Jesus says, if, if I'm not going to wash you, you're not going to be a part with me, look at how he responds. Then, Lord, not just my feet, and my, but my hands and my head as well. I mean, just the thought of not being with Jesus, it scared him. I think it does for you and me too, because we know without Jesus, there's only one end. But here's the comfort. It's Jesus, he didn't literally throw in the towel here. He kept on washing and scrubbing and cleaning and approaching. His touch of humility is there for you and me too. Even for all the times we do push him away. Even for all the times we think that it's on us to figure out our own problems and I guess if we need a lifeline, then we go to Jesus. Even then, he keeps reaching out his hands. And he keeps telling us, I'm here to serve you. Look at what I've done for you on the cross. This isn't just some act. This is who I am now and eternally. And so when we are struggling with that sin that keeps dogging us, he comes to us through the word and the sacraments and he says, I've washed that clean. All the dirtiest aspects of our lives, he has washed them and made us as white as snow. When we can't understand what we're going through and why we're going through it, and maybe we never will, we can be content because we know that his hands have touched every part of our lives. That whatever we're going through has a purpose. Whatever we're going through ultimately leads to one place and that's when we exchange our crosses for his glory. That touch of humility is there too. We look at the people in our lives that are hurting and we feel like we can't do anything to help. We remember his hands are still there and they're going to do the work and maybe we can't do anything, but we know he will. And all these things, my dear family, it, his touch of humility is real. It's lasting and it's genuine. And our Savior, as we, as we contemplate that, as we see the rest that we have in that, it leads us to wash others' feet too. And that's what Jesus is getting at here when he says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, how do we do that? Maybe you can think of a lot of ways, but one thing that popped out to me was just that whole idea of confessing our sins to each other and forgiving each other. One of the hardest things in the English language to say is, I'm sorry. Sometimes we have a lot of reasons why we don't think what we did is too wrong or we try to justify it, but when we say I'm sorry to someone that we've hurt, that is washing their feet. That's showing them that we do care about them deeply and for us too to hear that forgiveness, that's... What? That's an amazing blessing. It's the same thing too. The second hardest thing to say maybe is I forgive you. Whatever that person did to you, to remove all your feelings from this and just say out of love, maybe I don't feel love for you, but I forgive you because I know that my God's forgiven all my sins and I want to give you that joy of forgiveness too. And that touch of humility, we can give it to others that are struggling with stress and pain and anxiety and remind them to look to the God whose hands continue to reach out, to pick them up and to lead them to where he is, where tears don't exist. So over the next five weeks, we're going to be walking with our Savior towards that cross, and it's going to be heartbreaking. It's going to be tough to see the God who loves us more than we ever know go through all the pain that he did, that we deserved. But all those things don't lose sight of his hands. 
Those once wet hands, they would become nail-marked hands. But Jesus would never regret that, and he still doesn't, and he never will. Because those same two hands are going to put are going to be placed on your shoulders one day as he leads you home. And so no matter what we're going through, we know the end. We know that one day our hands will push, over the, push open those doors of heaven and we'll be with God. That's a touch of humility and that's the greatest Savior that we've ever known. That's Jesus. Amen. And to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be all glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ before all ages now and forevermore. Amen.